Welcome to the New Age Sage Podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Kevin Crenshaw. He is a love coach. We talk all about relationships and how to find love for those of you who are single. Please like and subscribe. Thank you so much. Kevin, welcome on the show, brother. Thank you. So, you know, I in my experience interviewing people, there's always some earning or initiation towards knowledge that we each know what we know based off our own experience and our own pain and trials and tribulations. So for all your knowledge and love, which is beautiful to see, talk to me about what it took to gain that knowledge. What heartbreaks. Yeah. Well, heart, <laughs> heartbreaks. So tell me your story, how you actually got to learn, to, got to learn so much about love. Experience, honestly, I think, um, curiosity and observation and, uh, a lot of pain. I mean, I I got started in this, um, my ex fiance, who was my first girlfriend ever, um, ended it. And then two relationships after her cheated on me as well. And it was like, what's happening? Like what? Like I'm loving these women so much and I'm being cheated on. And it was just so confusing and painful. I mean, it, it left me in a suicidal depression. Um, I actually attempted and was like, what am I, what am I doing? And I was, that's when I really caught myself and I was like, okay, something's off here. And I asked myself a question that I think really drove home the message that into in getting me to where I'm at today, which was, and this is also something that I teach is, is how am I creating this experience? And so I asked myself, how am I creating this experience? And I was like, oh, I have something to play in this too. Even though they, you know, did whatever they did and the relationships ended and all that. I was like, Oh, I'm extremely codependent and I was needy and I didn't really have a sense of self outside of validation from women. And I, it, I, there's a lot to navigate in that. And what it, would it take you to have that realization? Cause most people can not even realize it till they're dead. You know, you see, you know, six year olds, old people in relationships are still fucked up and you know, many friends we have, or I have, you can still, the, still see the most kind, sweet woman being treated like shit and be okay with it. So what did it take you to, finally be like, you know what, I can't, what snapped you out of it? I think I was just in so much pain that I, for myself, didn't see another option other than facing my truth and literally looking myself in the mirror, doing mirror work. I locked myself in a room and stared myself down and kind of had this conversation as my ego or my, my personality and my higher self. And I just, I don't know how long it was, probably a few hours. But I, I was like, we're here. What's up? What's going on? And I just got really fucking raw with myself. And that's when the truth showed up because I wasn't putting on a fucking front for anybody else. It was just me and me in that room. And that's probably one of the most powerful tools that I still use to this day. And also help my clients is mirror work. You just have a conversation with yourself. Be honest. You know, the eyes are the windows to the soul. But so often we think of that in like eye gazing exercises and shit. Yeah. You could do that with yourself. And really connect with your truth. And so when it's just you and you, and man, you come out of the room a better person because you're integrating more parts of yourself. And that's when I was able to get real with myself and go and have all those awarenesses. Whoa, you're really codependent. Whoa, like you, you don't really know who you are outside of what the, you know, the relationships. And I wanted love so bad from them because I didn't really have it for myself. Um, when did, that, so, when did that start? When did that way of thinking or that wounding begin for you? 
birth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tr- childhood, you know, just stuff with my mom and that dynamic growing up, nothing wrong with how she raised me or what happened there. Cause I, relatively speaking, it was very safe. Yeah. Um, and I caught, I put the responsibility on myself to soothe my mom when she was, uh, feeling disturbed or she wasn't regulated in her emotions. How do you rationalize that? Cause I had the same issue where it's like, you know, I wasn't beaten. I was provided yeah. for, I was relatively I a, fine, same. I but a, I was still in, fucked in a pain. I still felt abandoned. I still felt all these things. Because trauma is not yeah. just physical. Yeah. So how do you rationalize it's, that for, for you to, to like, cause I see some people who just can't buy it. who just can't go there. who just can't feel like right. I was in pain because my life was okay. Trauma is relative to the person. Yeah. You know, there's also emotional trauma. Their trauma is also neglect. So even if you had all your the largest financial trauma. needs met, uh, you know, the largest trauma. Exactly. And that's, that was it with me and my dad. He just wasn't there for me yeah. with like physically just disconnected and he was always working and stuff probably shifted when I was in like first, second grade, he was there for me earlier on, but it just, you know, that is traumatic. You know, think about if you weren't to, if you were to just not drink water, you get really freaking dehydrated and your body would go into a state of shock eventually. And you would have all these symptoms. You need water to survive. Well, humans need affection and love and connection. And we have emotional needs too. not just, um, are you physically safe and you're not being beaten or yelled at? Like to think that that's the norm now is just so weird. Uh, but I want to go back to one of the questions you asked me earlier, just really fast about how I got to the, the shift that I had, right. I mentioned mirror work. Um, there's a book uh, called creating love by John Bradshaw and his work. I found it later, you know, or pretty recent. Uh, but it's kind of what I did, which is he calls it demystification. When you're in love with somebody who is abusing you or you're in a fucked up situation and you can't get out of it, or, um, you're literally in a trance like hypnosis because of your childhood experiences or experiences with exes, somehow you put yourself in a trance to think that that abuse or that neglect or or whatever is love. And if you had that experience growing up of neglect or abuse, Mm. you'll seek redemption unconsciously in your partners. So you'll choose partners who model that same energy and you get that same Mm -hmm. hit of chemicals in your body. And then you and almost unconsciously, you're like, okay, now I'm finally going to be enough. I'm finally, I'm finally going to, uh, be compliant enough or loving enough or, uh, achieve enough so that they can finally give me the validation that I've been looking for the entire time. But really, we're the only ones that can give it to ourselves. But really, you were looking at it from dad from something that happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it's fucking deep, but. He coined the term demystification and it's, you're mystified. You're, you're walking like you're in a trance. And that's why I kind of believe that most of us don't really know. I, mean, I don't mean this egoistically, but most of us don't really know what love is. I would right? say that's accurate. Cause it just, we're just repeating what we're well, dude, Look at kid. fucking Disney. Yeah. Dis- Disney did us dirty. Like there's so many stories about what love is shown to us as a little kid when we're like absorbing that information. So if we didn't have proper modeling and the only modeling we had was Disney. And grow up in this and porn, Disney stories, porn, and then for a woman, it's like Fifty Shades of Grey, and, and that, shit. yeah, you know, it's like you're not really set up to do it successfully, yeah, and that's really the predicament I see. Just a lot of us are in is is where's the proper modeling, and um, we're it's we're kind of lost in our own ignorance with love. 
What's the largest illusion you see that society, society perpetuates about love? That it's a place to get something. Like that relationships are a place to get your needs met instead of a place to give or a place to explore or um, really a bond to create. You know, I think people enter into it because they don't feel loved and so they want to get it from another partner. A lot of people maybe not consciously do that. Um, to put it blanketly out there, because there's so many nuances to that, I would say that's a large part of the, the population. Um, but back to your point, it's perpetuated in mythology, uh-huh. right? It's this, this common myth that you know everything will, will be okay, and all our, our all our you know heroic tribulations or pain is all gone the minute we find the queen. You yeah, know, even but that's the minute it fucking starts. Yeah, like Mario, <laughs> Mario, and Princess Peach. You know, you're beating all these levels, you're beating Bowser, and you get Peach, and it's done. Yep, it's, it's not how life uh, works. All the <laughs> movies, and then they get married happily ever after. But that's literally the start of the real inner work. Like yeah. relationships, are the greatest ceremony that you can do, better than any plant medicine. Get in an intimate relationship with somebody. That's the that's the most spiritually evolved dojo you can go to, more so than in my opinion, like meditating in the Himalayas or going to see plant medicine and shamans. Like I've done all that shit. And I can tell you that when you're in a committed relationship with somebody who's also aware that has brought up for me personally, more of my stuff and helped me evolve and grow into a better version of myself more than fucking anything. And, um, you know, I think that's part of where the, the term soul soulmates comes into play is because if we look at it through a spiritual lens, we're getting into relationship to evolve because we can't go there on our own. Um, you know, and there's totally different lenses that you could look at that, but this is at least my belief. Your story was the main wound that you saw come up for you. Like this kept coming up over and over again. That was asking you to heal. Cause in my story, I kept attracting the same kind of woman over and over again. Until yeah. I healed. And this is, I think this false belief that we have is that, you know, once we, we break up with someone over an issue we don't like that, it's never going to come back. It's done. Mm-hmm. Until you heal that part of you yep. that's attracting, it's going to keep showing up over and over again. 100%. You know? And that's what I realized. I kept attracting the same woman over and over again until I was like, all right, I got to fix it. It was emotionally shit. unavailable women mm-hmm. for me. Um, In what way? Like hot and cold, super hot and cold. Uh, they wanted it, but they didn't. Um, I've been in relationships where it was all secret and under the table. Like nobody could know about it because mm-hmm. there was an age difference. You know, I've done, I've done a lot of that stuff and, and I, kind of sabotaged what I really wanted just oh okay like, like I was just desperate like okay yes but like I'll, I'll I'll do whatever type of energy and that was me not really holding my own and staying true to myself uh codependency was a big thing if we just want to blanket term it for me what does that really mean if you could define it um being reliant on another person's uh mirroring of you or their their validation of you uh, and that's kind of like how you perceive yourself. So if everything's great, you're lit up and everything's fucking a fantastic. If they're replying to you on time, if they're yeah. like, you know, if, if that person who's closest to you, you almost need them for validation because you don't have a sense of internal self. Um, that's one definition, one way to put it. At least yeah. that was my experience. And, um, you know, I didn't really have that sense of self. I never really developed it. Um, but how it started for me is cause I got it from my mom. I got a lot of validation from my mom growing up and like almost approval or like, okay, you know, you, like you can do anything type thing. And then 
my first girlfriend who became my fiance really helped me come out of my shell. So the feminine energy in my life, like supported me so much that I was like, okay, I want more of that. But it became a need and instead of a desire or like, not, because desires endless, but like a preference, you know, an interest, it became a need in, in my life. And if things weren't okay in my love life with somebody, or I was single, it was just like, I was rotting inside. And, um, it mm. took a lot for me to wake up to that and to build my own sense of self. And it's, it's honestly still fucking there sometimes, yeah, for sure. you know, like I'm in an amazing relationship right now and still, sometimes it still fucking comes up and you know, that's where part of this is like, there's no there, you yeah. know, let's, let's create a, a blueprint for people. So if you're, let's think of someone, a guy or a girl who is in that space where they derive all sense of self and validation from a romantic partner, what should they, what should and can they be doing to start shifting that inwards where they don't depend on others as much for that validation? Ask yourself, what do I really want right now? And give it to yourself because so often you're focused on the other person's needs or the other person's desires or the, what's the other person doing today. And you start orbiting yourself around their life and we lose sense of our own needs. And then we build resentment on the other person because they're not meeting our needs. And it's so twisted. Um, and if we really want to go down the rabbit hole, codependency is a form of manipulation. It's let me love you. So you'll love me back and never leave me. Yeah. It's not just let me love you. Yeah. Um, and so if you can fully take ownership of that and see that you can start to navigate the situations in your relationship and your love life differently. Um, but to start to really heal that, I would say, ask yourself, what do you need? What do you want? Because for a lot of us, we neglected it in childhood or we neglected it in relationship and start to fill up your own tank. Yeah. And it, sometimes that is like, I need a hug or I need somebody to listen to me right now. Great. Then ask somebody and, and support, you know, and sometimes it doesn't always have to be your partner. Like don't place everything on them. Um, that's why it's important to have your peer group as well. Yeah. Like I, I, I agree with the basic argument you're saying It's kind of like giving love to yourself and learning to love yourself, you know, before and instead of just depending on someone else for it, but to throw in a kind of counter argument, not to disagree, yeah. just to, mm -hmm. in my experience, because I used to think the way a ton until I reflected and I was like, it's a little more complicated than that. Totally, my experience totally. is that I've had a lot of self-worth issues in my, in my life. You know, I, I, I've distanced my mom. Um, when I was growing up, I was, I was bullied by like the attractive, hot, cool girls because I, I was like fat and had terrible skin issues. And so for me, I felt like I was never worthy of, of female love. And then I hit puberty. I became somewhat, you know, attractive and got, you know, billed, was an athlete. And then it started coming my way, but I never felt worthy of it. I was like, what the fuck are these women wanting with me? Started having like going from getting nothing to having the most beautiful woman starting to like me. I was like, what the hell's going on? I felt yeah. like so confused. And then when they did come, I, I held on to them so tightly because I, I couldn't live my life not having that validation. Mm -hmm. Back to my original point is that once I, I mean, my ex-girlfriend who was amazing, you know, beautiful, kind, everything. Um, the fact that she loved me made me kind of realize what I was worth. Totally. The fact that I had someone like that love me, I felt like, holy shit, I'm actually worthy of this in some way. So how does that play into it? You know, you know what I'm saying? I love what you're, that you're bringing this up because that's also true. Like, well, the rabbit hole we're going down is like the current state of Instagram therapy. I like to call it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's an hypervigilance. It's 
over reliance or not hypervigilance. It's an over reliance on yourself. Hyperindependence. That's yeah, what I meant. It's a trauma, which is also too, a trauma yeah. response. Um, and so yes, love yourself. Yes. Meet your needs and we need each other. Right. And it's a, it's a really is a spectrum. So if you're operating on the codependent side where you don't know your needs, you don't know your desires because you're always meeting other people's needs and desires, it would be helpful for that individual to start to rely more on themselves. Yeah. Right. Um, but somebody who's more independent by nature, it might be more helpful for you to serve and give and be with others. And, and you know, so it, it's a spectrum in that regard, but it's a both and conversation. Yeah. It's not either or. And the only way I'm going to use the N word. Let's talk about narcissists for a second. <laughs> what really happens there? It's a trauma. It is a form of trauma. And they develop a strong ego to protect themselves and to, to survive. Um, and it's kind of all like self-developed, right? They're very selfish. So a lot of people that I talk with aren't that, but are like, that's all the kind of, if you go into this self-love thing too much, I've seen it. I've talked with self-love coaches who are totally narcissistic because you're all about yourself and you're so absorbed in you. Um, there does need to be a reflection or a blend and a mirroring from other people that has something to do with your own sense of self. Yeah. Right. Cause if you're just isolated and developing this sense of self, like where are you getting these, this feedback from unless you're just creating it in your head, then you're disconnected from reality. And that really doesn't leave room for true love because to answer your question, like or what you mentioned before of like, not a lot of people are connected to true love or know what it is. Yeah. It's because we're, mystified and we're living in illusion and whether it's in our own heads or we're acting out a scenario from our childhood or trying to have redemption for something that happened with an ex or there's a stuck energy and stuck words that we never said to somebody and it's coming out in resentment towards your current partner like there's so many weeds that can get caught in the way of just being present with yourself and present with the other person yeah how do you navigate that line between like narcissism and the self-help kind of process and just healing yourself. Because in my experience, you know, I, I do believe, I, I do fully believe in the law of attraction. I do believe that what, what thoughts you say, what you believe, you know, are going to start attracting your way. But then I'll find myself kind of having affirmations like, you know, I'm confident. I am love all this shit. And I, and I, I catch myself and what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, you know, there's this yeah. line between like, what's that line for you where with like the ego build up or using affirmations or kind of giving, building yourself worth up. And at the same time, because, you know, there's, it's kind of opposite to the Buddhist mentality I kind of follow, which is just to to be here and to understand or lack the world. of self. Yeah, the world. It's just like yeah. two, two it's, complete opposites. It is. How do you balance that? Uh, it's a both. Can you have a strong sense of self and then not live in it? Yeah. yeah. At least that's that's been my experience. And what does that I'm look like for current, you? Yeah, I'm in a current season where I'm looking at parts of myself that I don't like. And so I would say probably in the more immediate present moment, I, my self-worth isn't optimal um, because I'm revisiting some of these things that I did that I haven't fully grieved or forgiven myself for. What are those things? And mistakes that I've made in in business, mistakes that I've made in miscommunications, mistakes in a, like, ways that I ended things that I'm like, dude, you could have done better than so that. It's like regret. Right? And I'm, like regret. I'm, it's like pieces of regret. Regret, but I'm, I'm grieving it. I'm finally allowing myself to process it instead of just moving on because the past is in the past, right? And so I'm really looking at that, keeping myself humble, 
because I could just be, oh yeah, I'm the fucking shit, and like all the time. Yeah. And I tried that. Like I, I when I went through this season, because I was the shy nerd kid that didn't really talk to anybody except for my immediate group of friends, to like super confident. I I did that. I built my confidence um, kind of through will, and it was a pseudo confidence because it wasn't really grounded. Um, and I was trying to prove myself still that I was confident. And, um, then I had a near death experience that kind of humbled me. And that's really when I started moving forward with a lot more, you could just say grounded. It's a good groundedness. It's not, it's not necessarily confidence. I'm just fucking present. Yeah. But it comes off to other people as confident because I'm not running from anything inside of myself or anxious and on the edge of my seat for something like I'm, I'm just here. And I got nothing to hide and I'm willing to go anywhere and everywhere. That actually is confidence. Yeah, there's a big difference between up up here and here. You know, when I, when I speak to someone, I can tell if their confidence is an illusion created by their mind. It's just like this, right. this, this willpower, as you said, because I've been there too. And I can, and it's even more powerful. I can just feel it in their body. Yeah. When it's an essence in them, it's just there. Holy shit, this dude's the, the, the truth. And so it's like an illusion created for ourselves. Like it does work. We end up, I think it's useful when I come up when we're like, it's useful when you're really like, just like feeling terrible mm-hmm. and there's nowhere to go and you want to make a, a career out of yourself or do something or pull yourself out of a hole. It's useful, but it's not sustainable. That's why I was making a weird transition, but it's like even in, in dating, like when we're playing games and shit, when we're, you know, seducing someone mm. or putting on a, a persona front. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not us in, in some way. It's the same kind of argument that yeah. the jig's going to be up. So it's, it's almost, you have to do both. So and how, how can we actually do that? I want the essence. Yeah. yeah I, want, I want to answer that, but I want to go back on confidence for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Because there's this preconceived idea, I think, that we need to be confident. Yeah. Who, who says that? Why? Like the, some of the most amazing things in my life have happened because I was vulnerable. I just shared where I was. Not because I was confident and could fucking do it and believed in myself, but even the moments when I didn't fucking believe in myself, but I shared it with somebody. Like that's building connection. I would rather be connected than confident. Maybe just shift in the definition of confidence to what you're, you're saying is what I think it is, is kind of a full acceptance of all of you. And it's not like, right. You're whole. And that whole includes the inner child who was sad, that, that teenager in you who was, you know, nerdy, didn't, yeah. didn't get many girls or me too. Yeah. Like that's what confidence is. It's kind of creating space for all these different parts for ourselves, even if we don't like them. Well, a lack of confidence comes from shame. It's yeah. like, I should be doing something different or I should be this. I should be that should be able to talk to girls or I should. And when your there's a saying that when your mind is full of should, your heart's full of shame. And so really when you release the shame, you're naturally going to be confident because you're naturally going to be whole in your, your own essence, because you're not trying to put on a mask or a front and go what to you, what you just said about, you know, the dating scene, you know, people think they have this idea of who they think they need to be in order to get love. Yep. Um, and that's where we abandon our inner child. That's where we abandon our sense of self and we disconnect and we become unwhole. And we then live in a state of achievement or a state of uh, anything that's not actually us. And we make it us as our ego. For me, it was overconfidence. I thought I needed to be confident. So I ruptured from myself and I had this persona of Kevin Crenshaw, who is extremely fucking confident. And I thought that's who I needed to be in order to get love. But that was the time in my life where I had the least amount of, I felt the least amount of love. And the more that I, the more confident I would get, the less I would feel it. Um, even though that's how I thought I was going to get it. 
And, it, you know, it's like going up, you're wearing a mask, your mask says confident on it. And then you go on a date with somebody else and they're wearing a mask and it says, uh, I don't know, surrendered on it. And you'll have so much chemistry and it's so amazing and da, da, da. And then you get in a relationship and stuff happens. And then a month later, somebody's going to get triggered or tired and their real stealth is going to start to show. And then the other person, but who the fuck are you? And there, and there's going to be this weird dynamic and something changed. And I don't know why he's acting this way or they're acting this way. It's the real self. And so that's why it's so helpful to really kind of do some of this work if you can, uh, before you go into those situations. So you, you don't live a masked life and get in a masked relationship and have a masked marriage. And you're, you're still trying to put up this front. What if you were to just be yourself and that's enough, you know, and, and, and my girlfriend even said it to me today, like people just want the raw you like, fuck, you're right. And I'm even having to remind it be reminded of it from time to time, right? When nobody's fucking perfect. And so I think it's the awareness of all of this is what's important, not the perfection of all of this. Yeah. Because we've all got our masks. We all put on a front. We all do. You know, there's a reason I wear fucking hats like this and put a card in my hat. And like, I like, I like playing that persona sometimes. That's the game. Yeah, exactly. Making avatars. And can you allow yourself to be all sides of yourself? Yeah. And not run from any one of them. Yeah. That one point you made about, you know, when you were saying that once the mask leaves in your argument, you see the real real self that in my experience that until you confront and befriend and learn to love that, that side of you that comes out in arguments, that dark side of you, and you learn to integrate it and not have it leak out. It's not only for you. You actually end up attracting someone who can also do that. Right. Yeah. Back to that point. Like if you're, if you're wearing a mask, and you deny those sides of you. You're going to attract someone to the same place. When you get into argument, just like, you know, two different people talking. So how, how, what's your take on how to handle disagreements or moments in relationships where people don't see eye to eye? Like what's the main people, main thing people are doing wrong and what's the way out of it? Hmm. I think a lot of people try, their energy is saying, no, you just need to hear me. You need to see me. You need to hear me. You need to see me. You need to get me. Both people are doing that. Yeah. And that's the disconnect more so than the disconnect. Um, and if somebody can make a shift and I call it see- piercing with love, if you can get out of your own shit for a second and your own feelings about everything and pierce through whatever they're showing you, maybe they're angry or maybe it's they're confused and they're hurt or something and see their inner child and connect to that, there's a very there's a shift in energy and it's like, let me hear you. And you kind of just hold space and allow them to unravel. And then somebody gets heard and eventually they'll be in a space to hear you. And now you're on the same page. Maybe, maybe not in agreement, but you're on the same energetic wave. Right. And so I think that's the biggest thing with, with arguments or disagreements when, when couples aren't on the same page with shit, it's, you need to hear me. And there's a disconnect in the communication um, what's being said, isn't what's being received or heard. Um, and that could be do one or both people in, in at fault there for that. Uh, but really it's some proper communication skills and, um, and somatics, which is a blanket term, but let's call it the nervous system, the body, um, tools that I give couples. Like when I coach couples, it's one of my favorite things to do. And I, I do a lot of coaching around how to ground each other and remind each other's bodies that you're with your lover. 
it diffuses any bombs that are about to go off in arguments. Um, and there's so many little subtle things that you can do throughout your day to remind yourself that like, oh yeah, this person I love, not consciously, not with words, but with your physical body. And like one of those things, uh, Stan Tatkin, he was on my podcast, awesome dude, wrote a book called Your Brain on Love. And um, he shares a lot of amazing tools in that book. And one of them is called Reunion Hugs. So when you're, you haven't seen your partner in a few hours and you come into the same room together, hug each other. And until one person loosens or takes a deep breath or a sigh or something, that's regulated their nervous system. And then you can go about your day and you can catch up, say whatever. But uh, that has been helpful because you're not bringing work or where or errands or wherever you were at in the energy of what happened into the relationship. You're keeping the relationship, like you diffuse it. You're yeah. present with your partner and then you can move in. There's other things like even navigating conflict and uh, talking about um, how to how to do that in real time somatically a lot of that can be changing your state so if y'all are at it going at each other with something um this is one that i still have yet to remember to implement for myself <laughs> but this is something that i've uh shared with clients is to change get on the ground and just lay on the ground next to each other and it's the fun silliest funniest thing but like can't really yell at somebody when you're laying on your belly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're like this and you're like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. In that, it's, it's, a, it's, like, a, it's a change. You change the scene of where you're at. And so your brain goes, wait, what? And it interrupts the mystification that's happening. Because a lot of times in conflict or just, or arguments in, in couples, what's really happening is you're reacting to the situation from the hurt place inside of you that thinks that it's in a similar state from before. So it's like you're replying to your boyfriend as if he was your ex or your dad. Mm -hmm. This, the energy, not the words, not what you're saying, not what you're arguing about, but the energy, if it's unresolved from those things before is going to come out on your current partner. So that's. And what you're saying is this truth to that. We have to, if we're coming from that space of, cause it's not, as you said, it's not even that we're treating them like our father. We're treating, we're speaking from that space when our father hurt us. We're speaking from that like still stuck energy place of wounding. In that, what I'm saying is that sometimes you have to create space mm-hmm. from the trigger, create space from the feeling. Yeah. To be, until you can actually listen to them, right? Until right. You can, sometimes it's yeah. like, Hey, let's shelf this. Like we need space. Yeah. And then come back together. Yeah. And, and when you, if anybody out there is going to ask for space, Know what your partner's attachment style is, because sometimes that could be further disrupting for them. Yeah, that was the worst trigger for me. Yeah. When, when, whenever, I mean, people do this. It's, it's the worst. I'm always <laughs> like, why the fuck is it? Maybe you, you, you feel it too. When things are getting heated, and there's, I just can't and just walk out the door. Yep. It's that's like, the worst thing to do. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you're, one of your, one of your roles as a partner is to help your partner feel safe. Yeah. And so even if you need space, can you communicate to them? I need space. We'll talk about it later tonight. That enough gives them the the reassurance that you're coming back and that you're not abandoning them. People, for me, with abandonment issues, that was my childhood, right? Yeah. I would be crying about something, my mom would be like, "Oh, and just leave, leave the house." All love to her. That's what happened, right? So Shit. when that when that happens with people, and a lot of people experience that, whether it be not even leaving the house, but actually just yeah. leaving the room or something. For someone with abandonment issues, it's like World War Three. The nervous yeah. system would just like, just yep. You're instantly boom. You're now re- you're back to re- the re-traumatizing yourself. Three year old you yeah. and your mom left or something. Yeah. 
Yeah. What, what, what's some of the things that in your relationship you're aware of to not do? Cause I think there's, let me actually ask a different question. Let's talk about this topic that when you're dating someone, yeah. it's a weird line. You kind of are and aren't responsible for the nervous system in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I can't control what triggers you, but if I know what triggers you deeply, I, I kind of need to be careful around it. I don't have to walk yeah. on eggshells, but it's a way of phrasing shit. It's just kind of mm-hmm. responsibility you have to take. It is. So how yeah. are you doing that in your relationship and how important is it to do that in all relationships? It's extremely important. I would say in all relationships, but it comes up in intimate relationships more frequently because yeah. you're intimate with the person. So you're going to see all their stuff, you know? Um, and it, it really varies from person to person, but if you can get to know your partner and their triggers and their past, and then be mindful when stuff like that comes up. And, and, you know, I was actually the worst of this in the beginning of our relationship. She would have stuff trigger her. And I'm like, it's, I, I didn't fucking do anything. Like, what the <laughs> hell? And realizing that my response was actually what she was triggered by. Yeah. Right. And it's like, Oh no. Cause you, now you don't see me. Now you don't hear me. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't fucking do anything. I'm innocent. Right. And I think that's what a lot of people go to. And in case you haven't figured out, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect in this, but um, being mindful of their wounds and being able to meet them in that. And there, there is a dance because there's your part, role as a partner in knowing how to not trigger your partner and knowing how to hold space for them when they are triggered. Um, because there's a various triggers. There's abandonment. There's uh, cheating. There's uh, lying and manipulation. There's so many things, right? So maybe if your partner has um, been lied to a lot and that's a big trauma for them. They might like always ask for reassurance on things and it might annoy you and you're like, what the heck? But if you can meet, see that for what it actually is, um, you'll have a lot more compassion. And then there's twofold because then your partner shouldn't always rely on you for that reassurance. They also have inner work to do to heal that thing from coming up inside of them anyway. Yeah. Right. So it's, it, that's where both people get to take ownership of I'm going to make sure that I'm holding space for you in the right way that I am helping, helping make sure that you're not getting triggered in this way. And I'm going to provide a safe space for you to experience something different. So you can allow the opportunity to heal. And you've got to go into that fire and figure out what caused that and forgive the person or release that stuck energy. So it just, so it doesn't come up anymore. And then when both people are there for a sustained amount of time, inevitably, things are going to get worked through and it's not going to be an issue anymore yeah what's what's your take on on this i used to think that whenever i'd bring up that topic of abandonment or telling a partner hey this triggers me i feel like a bitch i feel like you know mm. i'm not masculine right now that i'm not able to there's a part of me which feel like, like a pussy right now i'm not yeah. like is there some truth to that like what, what i mean is that like i do think it's important to have communication at what point for, for men or, or masculinity, is it a point where you're just kind of being weak? I don't, it's a hard yeah. thing to say because it's, I, I never think it's weak and I have all love, but at some point, like if you're a man and you're constantly like blaming your partner for triggering you and doing all this shit, like there's a, a very fine line between being open and being unmasculine. Get what I'm saying? It's a tough, yeah, tough line. Yeah, it's, I mean, I would say in that situation, it's, it's not necessarily a masculine feminine thing. That's just, are you over-reliant on your partner? Yeah. Or are you taking ownership? And I think what's coming up in, in what you're saying of like, man, I feel weak right now might be the shame because you think you should be over it. And it's like, 
can you allow, can you love yourself imperfectly and allow somebody else to love you imperfectly? Yeah. You don't have to be there. You don't even have to take all your fucking masks off. Can you just be, can you have, can you show your real self and allow them to love that? Cause if yeah. you're not showing your real self, and I'm talking your real self, part of you that has shame, the part of you that has a mask, the part of you that has resistance or all these things. If, if you can show that to somebody and they love you for it, this goes back to what you said before. It fucks with your brain. Cause you're like, wait a second. I thought I needed to be somebody else, but I'm getting love for the real me. Oh shit. And that's really magical. And so if that's the real you and some, then somebody doesn't accept it for whatever reason, they're not meant to be in your life or they're judging yourself themselves because they're not able or willing yeah. to go there. Let me rephrase it. Actually coming, coming to mind now. Yeah. It's all about how you go about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if what I mean is I think if you're a man who, because I think any man who's, a, who's an abuser or controlling or gaslighting or any of that, it comes from the same wounding. It's just that they're trying to gain power back from a situation. They didn't have power back as a kid. So 100%. I think that's one bad way to go about it. And the bad way is to just not, when I experienced my first relationship ever was I just never said anything. Mm. Like whenever they trigger me and do shit, I just like, I, I, I could not lose them so much because Been she's there. beautiful and popular. I just couldn't like imagine life without her. I just didn't say anything. And yeah. I was, dying i was dying inside sweeping it under the rug and, and then mm-hmm. then the right way to go about it in my eyes is just communicating how, to, how you feel without placing blame yep that's just all it is right like if yep. they're doing something that is not harmful just the way they are mm-hmm. and you're triggered to say hey i'm feeling this way you know nothing wrong i just want to give voice to it like yeah. see me for in some way that's right. that's kind of the secret sauce it is yeah mm-hmm. is that true in your experience 100 percent. Yeah. You, yeah that's a really good point how are you doing that now in, in, your, is your, in your relationship are you communicating like that when, when things are the best, as best as we can. Yeah. <laughs> but most, most definitely, I, I would say that's, that was the thing about last year that I re- recognized, uh, was I was sweeping things under the rug and it, I had so much tension and turmoil and confusion about our relationship. And I didn't even have fucking awareness that I wasn't speaking up. I was just like, why am I feeling this way? Uh, what's happening? Like, and then I'm having these thoughts about her that are what that's not how I actually think about her. Like what the fuck's happening? Oh, you're not just speaking up when things aren't okay. Or you're not asking for space when you want fucking space. Like you have a voice too, Kevin. And that was something that I had to go through. And if you're with someone who gets like icked out or doesn't find that attractive that you're communicating that, as you said, it's, it's the wrong person. There's a mismatch <laughs> in values. Yeah. Cause that's not a conscious relationship. I know it's a cliche term, but it's a big difference. You can yeah. tell when, when a relationship's conscious versus when it's not. What, what I mean by conscious is just having that communication totally. of, of speaking to what's vulnerable for you, what, what's showing up. 100%. Yeah. Um, I want to take a kind of a, a, a U-turn okay. about your, your experience because um, you mentioned about uh, a near-death experience. Uh-huh. And I want to hear all about, about that and how it got you to where you are now. You said that was one of the ma- massive yeah. drivers in, in your journey. So what would you actually yeah. experience when you're in it? Like an actual direct experience. Cause what, what's fascinating to me is one of my nerding, nerding out topics when I have people on the show, surprisingly a good amount have had, had that. And it's mm. almost always like a very similar experience. So mm-hmm. curious about your, your journey and then also like what the message you got from it is and how it changed your life. Hey there, I'm going to give you a break to digest all of this amazing information. And in this break, if you like what you're listening to, please rate and review the podcast. Thank you. So I was doing plant medicine. This was my eighth time sitting with Wachuma. 
sat with it before many times and you know with a shaman properly cooked and what happened was i was with a mentor of mine and she was like let's just do a private sitting and you know do this whole reset cuz i come i was like burnt out from something that i just got done doing in business it's like yeah it feels really good let's do it but something in my body was like uh uh-uh. uh and she kept bringing it up and i'm like okay and i just kept saying okay kind of going along with it and when I look back, man, my body was screaming for me not to. And I was just like, no, that, it doesn't make sense. Let's just do it. What was the feeling that was showing up for you? Just like- Tension in my stomach. Um, I was just, my body was a clear, like, no, but I couldn't say it because I had already committed. And I'm a man of my word, so I'm going to fucking commit and all this shit. So, oh, I didn't know that this person um, wasn't really a shaman and didn't really even know the dosage when we got there. It was a private, it was an Airbnb. It was just me and her and she didn't even know how much to dose me. Um, and it was powdered instead of cooked cactus. And so, you know, if you think about the process of that cooking it, you're like, it's love, it's nurturing. Uh, powdered is dehydrated, shove it in a blender. It's like, you're destroying the, the spirit of the plant really in a lot of ways. And so, um, I found this out later talking to a few other people that like anytime they had powdered San Pedro, it was a horrible trip. And I was like, interesting. Well, I had a shit ton. Um, so it hit me like a weed brownie, bro. I, I sat, had a whole giant spoonful. Didn't feel anything in like an hour. So I had more. Oh. Didn't any feel anything for an hour. So I had more. Didn't feel anything for an hour. So I had more and then bam. And I was gone. Um, where? Seeing, seeing things that were just gruesome. I mean, I, I, to put it frankly, it seemed like I was in hell. I was terrified in my body, um, which freaked her out. And then I didn't feel safe because she's over there puking and freaking out. And I'm like, oh, that's not helping. Um, and I didn't have a gag reflex until I was two. I threw up the last time I threw up was when I was two. And so I couldn't make myself throw up. And she was like, I need you to throw up. I need you to throw up. So I did three giant salad bowls worth of rainbow colored shit, like black blobs and stuff. I probably cleaned out my gut microbiome and bile and all this other stuff. So it was, it was pretty painful for me to do that. And it expanded in my stomach and completely destroyed uh, my gut in a lot of ways. It, it took me two years to heal from all of that. But in the immediate experience, I was, um, I reached this point where there was a tunnel and a light. I felt like I was continuously falling backwards and I was just going off into this space and it was like a surrender. Like, Oh my God, I'm relaxed. I just want to relax because it was all this intensity. And I'm like, I can relax. And I was relaxing and relaxing and relaxing. And I got the close. You got to the light. Yeah. And I got this Oof. vision of, of being stabbed in my neck. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, I know what this is. And I snapped up and pushed her away. She was like, had her hand on my neck. And I was like, what the fuck? I literally thought I got stabbed. It turns out I did spiritually. And there was an entity in my neck that came out from a shaman about a year and a half later. Um, so that wasn't what just was a fucking entity? vision. Where did you contract the entity? That. Oh, from the psychedelic. Like Whether it was her or something through her. Or in the realm you went into. Stabbed me in the neck. And I saw Reiki practitioners. They're like, it seems like you have shards of glass in your neck. Yeah, because I fucking pushed her away as the thing was in my neck or whatever. Like, I don't know too much about it. 
I had a lot of neck pain for a really long time. My gut, I had IBS and um, leaky gut. So maybe maybe bo- the, stab, the stab saved you because it took you away from the light. Maybe. I was like, fuck this. I'm, I'm coming back. Like, this is not my time. I have a fucking mission and I'm here to, I'm, no. I very clearly decided to come back. That's, that's like the, what's crazy is that's like the main point I hear across all experiences is this snap decision. Not like a, maybe like a fuck yes. Yeah. Like, I need to come back. So yep. My work's not done here. And the people I've interviewed who had it, it's the same shit. And the yep. minute they say that, it's like, they're, they're back. And then you're, Phew. yeah. And, uh, man, I was high for three days and psychotic for a month. So I lost all sense of self of time. Uh, I wasn't taking care of myself. When you I, say psychotic for a month, what does that actually mean? What did hearing you voices, seeing things, uh, my sleep circadian rhythm was all out of whack. So I was just waking up at odd hours. I, uh, I thought I was, yeah, I didn't know I was Kevin. Like it was very odd. And, um, I knew enough of psychology to know that I wasn't okay. And I was trying to mindset my way out of it. And <laughs> I held a knife and was about to slit my throat. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like randomly, just like, eh, let's see what happened. Like, and I was like, whoa, this is not okay. And uh, I took myself to a graveyard and that snapped me out of it. Oh. I just fucking cried, man. I'm like, I have the, I'm over here stressed about finances and this thing and this other stuff and what happened to me. And I'm fucking alive. How can I not be so fucking grateful? And I just broke down and I remember I had a journal and I wrote down, breathe for those who can't. And that was the beginning of me coming back. And I was like, okay, my body's not okay. Let me focus on my body, not my mind. And that's when I started getting help uh, and realizing I had leaky gut and all these things. And it affected my pituitary, my thyroid. I was not well for about two years. And I'm still kind of 80% back. I'm, I'm on the tail end of, of healing that now. And um, to be honest with you, there's a lot that that less that taught me in terms of a lesson, like why it happened. And I'm still unpacking it. Um, one of the biggest things is I became trauma informed and really got to understand the nervous system and trauma a lot deeper by healing yourself because I had to heal myself out of that experience. Yeah, and. So it shifted my work. It shifted how I relate to humans. It, I got way more grounded, right? Like I said before, like the confident me, like whatever. I, I fell back into just knowing my truth and living from that, not giving a fuck about all the other shit, realizing how fragile life is. I mean, I had been suicidal before that, but like actually rubbing up against that. I'm like, dude, that was accidental. I got poisoned. Like, n- holy fuck. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I have, um, I'm not, it wasn't psychedelic, but just hearing a parallel in my story, it is near death, but you know, I, was, I was placed on, I think around like eight to nine pharma, psychiatric medications. Fuck, yeah. So for me, it was like a similar experience of for a couple of months, I didn't, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel me. I didn't know who the fuck I was. It was just these, this concoction of meds in my brain where I would just depersonalize. I was like, I had no idea who I was. It was like this weird feeling. I actually, you know, grabbed the knife, put it on my wrist multiple times. Just had a feeling of like, what the fuck? And then thankfully yeah. I snapped out of it, but it just, yeah, and I look back at that time. I just I even have, you know, have tear, tears coming now and then just for how grateful I'm to be out of it. it just same. Now I understand why I had to go through, it, but it's just like, fuck. yep. I have spent so many hours and thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars healing myself from that experience, and um, also it's taught me a deeper level of forgiveness, a deeper level of trust. Because I came back from that experience. Um, actually, no, it was bef- right before. Never mind. 
right before that experience, I had a bunch of trauma around money and I kind of hustled, made everything okay. And then went straight into that. So I was still kind of integrating some rage that I had towards other individuals, um, that I got to heal afterwards. And really it ultimately, I think I was also a very extreme individual and I still am in some ways, but it was, you know, I put myself there. God put myself there. Um, where it's like, okay, dude, like I was just not in alignment with the real me. And that apparently is what I needed in order to snap back to the real me. So let's pick apart the the pieces of healing that got you to where you are now from that. So what are like the main components? Forgiveness. I had a shit ton of unprocessed rage and anger that I didn't realize. From the betrayal, from that, from a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. How do we go about releasing that? I think, especially everyone, man and woman. I, I was about to sing about men, but it's like, how do you actually release that that rage? You find a safe space and let it the fuck out. Let it rip. That's what I did. Uh, I even take clients to rage rooms every once in a while. Is there a difference so in like, like being seen for it at the same time, or do you want to do it like on your own? Is there? <laughs> I don't a know. To there? be honest with you, I've I've been witnessed, and I don't know how. I don't think I think it was neutral. I don't think it helped. I don't think it hurt. It was just kind of was. Maybe it had an effect because I've also done it where I just got it out of my system and I don't, nobody needs to fucking see it. I've done that too. But, I, you know, I find myself even now in life, and this is something I came across yesterday morning. So this is very fresh for me. But whenever I have a hard time experiencing joy, it's because I'm not facing my uncomfort. I'm not facing my anger or my sadness. I'm not experiencing the full range of emotion. So you shrink because you don't want to feel that other thing, but it also prevents you from feeling happiness, you know? And so for me, I was just numb and because I had all that stuff. So forgiveness, uh, processing anger, a lot of, I wouldn't say grounding, but just coming home, a lot of somatic awareness. I can know when the slightest, it's almost like I'm getting like the spidey senses sometimes. Like I know when the slightest fucking thing's off. Cause I have that strong of a connection in my gut now because it, I've, I, I've healed it literally. Um, and my work, you know, like the work that I do, it's, it's helped me with kind of integrating a lot of different perspectives and modalities and understandings that I use with people. Um, it's brought that all clear and there's still more that I'm unpacking. I mean, even now it's like I was on this trajectory in my opinion, that was a good and in alignment. And then pop, nothing. And I've been trying to like kickstart back to that. And I've been trying like all this other shit. And I'm in a state right now where I'm honestly fucking frustrated and confused because I don't know which way to go in terms of career. Cause I, when I know a way I'm going to fucking sprint, but there's some, something that's like, either a confidence thing, ironically, or it's not aligned. There's a pivot that gets to happen. And then I have a lot of resentment and I'm struggling to forgive myself for building things the way that I did and then just dropping it. And I didn't really have a choice because I was fucking dealing with all this stuff. But it's, you know, the whole saying like never quit, like just keep going and you'll have success and all that shit. I was doing that for a fucking decade. I was homeless at one point, sleeping out of my car, like 
begging for food. You know what I mean? To go to from that to making quarter of a million dollars a year and living in my dream apartment, like that to me was like, dude, you're fucking keep going. And then that happened. And so I still don't know why, but there's some fear that happened again. Yeah. There's just like, damn more so like, okay, you were on this trajectory and it just got ripped from under you. Why is there so much emotion in you about those experiences? Because it's fresh. Because I'm still I'm unpacking it more yeah. so right now. I think you know it happened three years ago, but I didn't have the emotional, physical, or mental capacity to unpack it. I just needed to get well. You know, like I remember I got a I was in Tulum. I was nomadic for a bit, and I got an IV drip because I was like, dude, I'm real. I'm dehydrated. So I got an IV drip. He puts the needle in in me, and within three seconds, I just start crying. He's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah." It was just, I needed, my body needed to process emotions and I didn't have the fucking nutrients, the water in my system to do it, but it was on the fucking surface. And so I feel like my gut's healed. I'm healing a lot in my um, muscular system right now of imbalances that I have and holding patterns because I was nutrient deficient for so long. I also lost like 45 pounds of muscle and uh, my body's just kind of like coming back into rhythm and homeostasis and, and all this stuff that I have the capacity to look at it now. Um, and it's just extremely fresh. Like I'm talking the past two weeks, I've been like diving back deep into this because I'm rubbing up against some stuff in life that I'm like, you know, what's next? Maybe your body had the wisdom in a way because if maybe you couldn't have healed yourself in the way you needed to, yeah. if you were also dealing with this component too, right? If yeah. you maybe you had to get your hydration, nutrients, all your muscles and sort before you can now have that space to to do it. It's so fascinating. What, the, the ability of the body to do that. It's almost like if you had an iPhone update, this is the best analogy I can, I can say if you had an iPhone update, but you only had like 5% battery, you wouldn't need to, you wouldn't be able to update it. Yeah. You would need to plug it in. And I was just having trouble plugging it in, in the proper way, uh, to get to the 25% battery you need or whatever to update it. And, um, it just, took me till now to where I'm, I have enough battery to where I'm like, Oh shit. All right, let's, let's go do this update then. And I'm just in that spiritual update right now. What is the update? What is the update I, until? I still don't fucking figure know. it out. Yeah. I'm figuring it out. It's around purpose mission, which I feel like I have. It's, I think it's evolving. There's a book called who moved my cheese. Have you ever heard of that? Heard of it. I haven't read it. It's, it's about a maze and these mice go to this where the cheese is. And then somebody moves the cheese and there's the mice quickly change and they go, Oh, it's not there anymore. And they find it. But then there's these little people and they, they call, they're called him and ha there's him and Han, And they're like, woeing that somebody moved the cheese and complaining about it. Meanwhile, the mice are already at the cheese. And I feel like my cheese got moved. My sense of joy, fulfillment, my mission, my purpose, it evolved. And I'm and I'm like, okay, I get to, now aligned to what it is and i don't i just don't have the the sense knowing of it yet i just know it moved and so that's currently where i'm at which is very raw and and real place to be and it's the natural cycle of you could say a death and rebirth of your identity you know what i mean this is a part of it okay cool like it's not to avoid it let me just sit in it and when i sit in the uncomfort long enough i'll find the answer but you know it's Nothing. I've been through worse, <laughs> so uh, that's just where I'm at now. Yeah, well, it's, it sounds incredibly ceremonial. It is, especially because of what it was actual. <laughs> you know, like I don't need to. Yeah, I don't need to do another fucking ceremony. I'm in one right now. Yeah, you know. Uh, 
And I know that I sense and know that something big is on the other side of this. And I just have to trust and let it come to me and let, instead of what I did before, which was seek it out, figure it out, write a 500 year business plan and make it happen now. Like I literally did that shit before. And I think that's part of why I'm in the position I'm in now is like, okay, you get, to, you get to find it in a different way. And it doesn't come from that mask of confidence or I'm going to make it happen. It's okay. God, where do you want me? It's that line. I don't, don't do it as much, but, but be it in a way. Yeah. Where, you know, I, was just, yeah. I still am the same way. And I think you and I can share this ability just to have vision and go, go, go. Yeah. And I have that trauma response where, it's useful in some ways where I only got love for, for doing shit as a kid and being smart and all that stuff. So it's, it's in me to just, I'm, I'm actually happier to be working all day and to sit on my, sit on my ass doing nothing. That's just my personality. Yeah, yeah. So it's easy for me to do that, but you can't change yourself through something else. That's not you, right? You, you right. think you can change yourself through working hard or getting that money or that car or that apartment, yep. but it's not you. None of that stuff's you. So th- right. this is actually the harder journey is, is to, mm. you know, change the internal system. Yep. And then the new life will, will kind of come to you. But what's so scary about it is that, you know, if you can see, like me too, I can see success mm-hmm. somewhere in my, my time. Like I see it like really coming. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck it takes to get there. I have no fucking idea. You know, I'm investing in things. I'm doing things, but I really have no idea. Mm-hmm. It's that, what do you, why do you think that is that it's so, so frightening and so scary and emotional when we can see this thing that's so beautiful and amazing, but yet in this present moment, you have no idea how the fuck to get there. Because you feel the gap. Yeah. You're sensing the gap from where you are to where you want to go. And it's a rubber band. It's like, and there's a lot of tension there and you're going to want to, you want to be there and you're not. And I think it's also a beautiful place to be because you can catapult yourself to there. But how do we, how do we actually enjoy the process? You try, you, you are present with where you're at today. You know, I, I get to be present when this uncomfortable position, figuring it out. Uh, because well, I may never be in this position again. Once I figure it out, maybe I figure it out and then that's it. And I'm set for life and I live my Dharma and all this shit. Not to say that I'm not doing it now, but like, you know, it's special. It's kind of like a uh, missing a, your chi- kids growing up, you know, you're never going to be in that position again. And you're never going to be in this position again. Even if you do go through another death and rebirth cycle, you'll never be in this one. So I think it's just important to be present in the journey because you know one of the other exercises that i do is i look at i'm I'm a meditate on my deathbed and i imagine that i'm 80 or however the fuck old we're going to be when we die you know and i've lived a full life and i think about what i would regret i look back to my 29 year old self now and go man you know i wish when i was 29 i really would have what's the first thing that comes to my mind Boom. That's the thing you got to do. And for me right now, it's, I wish I would have just been present with it. Yeah, I, I can say it's that, like, but I can't, I can't, I can't be it. <laughs> like I have the same exact exercise and always yeah. look back. I look back, I, I do it the same, but I still different. I look back at me two years ago when I was just starting doing now. And I would do, what would I tell myself back then Yeah. when I was, you know, working all day and worried about the outcome and not, I'll just like, just enjoy where you're at. Even when I was, uh, you know, alone in, in a new city, awesome, with no friends, nothing. I'm just like, man, just trust it. Yeah. I have to just fucking trust it and it's, just be present with it. But here I am and I, I, st- I just can't fucking do it. Like I, I'm trying my best, but it's not like, it's still not encoded into my body. It's not down into my body. I can intellectually understand it, but my body yeah. is still like this, like resistance towards the thing. So mm-hmm. I'm working at trying to integrate it into the whole, the whole system. One thing that helped me 
is sentence yourself to life. What I mean by that is don't be optimistic. Like, like have a ceremony, like in a meditation with yourself or a guided thing. This is something I do with clients where you, you, you lock yourself in for life where whatever your current shit is, your masks, all the stuff you want to change, all the success you want to have and that you don't have, it's just going to stay that way. You're never going to have the thing. You're never going to change and get out of it. You're just keep spending money and nothing's going to change. Like stop the optimism and just imagine yourself to think that that's going to be forever. And there will be, if done right, an immense amount of anger and rage and sadness that comes through. And once the wave of that is over, you fall into this crazy amount of acceptance. And it's, in my experience, the most quiet energetically I've ever been in my life because you're fucking present. You don't care if it happens or not. And you, you've integrated your shadows, all the things you want to change. And you're just here. Yeah. And from that place, you get the wild, most wild amount of clarity ever because you're clear within yourself. Yeah. And... um that's how I would say, because really it's an avoidance to feeling an emotion. It's not an avoidance to the present moment. The present moment has an emotion in it that you're scared of feeling and you don't maybe not even consciously know what it is. Yeah. It's a weird line of manifestation where I, I do believe in, 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 in it for sure. And in, in kind of visualizing stuff and doing what you can to get there and co-creating it. But at the same time, it's not healthy or it may not be beneficial for it if you're needing it so much. Yeah. You know, if, if you can't be present where you're at to get there. And that exercise, it kind of sounds like you're sabotaging the manifestation. But in reality, you're actually making it even better. Because yep. this is like... You're just getting present. Think about it with love, right? Mm-hmm. I, I always... Because I understand dating like you better than anything else. Business or just understanding it well. And romance, it's like when you, when I've in the past, needed a partner, needed to love and held on to them so tightly, they ran away. Yeah. They just slipped. Yeah. But when you kind of are holding their hand in a dance and you accept and you love and you're, and you're trying to do everything you can today to make it work... It stays with you. Yep. You feel like it's, it's, it's kind of the same shit for your for your aspirations. I would say so. Yeah. In yeah. Your experience. Yeah. It's been. Yeah. You know, it's a weird. It's a weird thing because you know gaslighting. We kind of gaslight ourselves sometimes that it's going to be better one day, and we think it's better than it is. And if we can just stop that and get present with what is, that's really winning the game of life, and that's where you demystify. You know, and that's not just in love, but it's with your fucking life, man. Yeah. You demystify everything. You're, that's the real power. Cause then you're living in, you can move through the fucking matrix. You see how everybody else is living in yeah. a, in a, an illusion or in their own made up ident- identities and beliefs and shit. And it's not to judge, but you see through it and you're able to kind of just navigate your own path instead of, um, trying to play along with that or play along with somebody else's thing. It really gives you a superpower that I don't think a lot of people either have experienced or, or talk a lot about. Yeah. On that, on that point, there is some, let me try and say this carefully. There is some truth in thinking that once I accomplish that thing, then I'll be happy. Let me, let me back it up for a second. Yeah. On a surface level. No, like the cars not make you happy, but validating our argument. It's that if you actually trust the journey and you're present with it, to get that thing. Yeah. If you trust the journey to a new level, if you trust the journey to success, if you trust the journey to that manifestation and you're pr- present with it and you, you learn the lessons, you will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It will change you. Mm-hmm. It's not the thing itself. It's a process to get there. It's a process, yeah. And taking the codes, taking the lessons that then actually make you that person. So it's not actually the thing, right? Now it's starting to make sense for me now. It's the it's the journey and the le- lessons you learn on the way yeah. that gives you the gift. 
Right. And the gift is you know, it's a symbol of the actual manifestation, but it's yeah. eternal. Think yeah. about it. Think about it like if you just asked somebody to, for something and they had a lot of money and they're like, yeah, here you go. You would get the thing and be happy for a little bit and then whatever. But imagine if you grinded your fucking ass off for five years for it. You treat it a lot different, you know, because there's lessons that come along with it versus yeah. it just being given. Yeah. And I went through that experience myself because, you know, as, especially as a kid, kind of got everything that I wanted. I was very spoiled in that way. And then I life slapped me and lifed me and I got to really understand the value of things from my own work. Yeah, and my experience too was, again, going back to that younger version of me who was, you know, overweight, didn't, had no game, no girls. And once that moment came when I was 19, 20 and, you know, I was top, top of my class. Any girl I wanted in college was popular, had friends, which was crazy for me. I felt depressed because it didn't change anything. Mm. But because I didn't, it was all from the ego. I didn't have the awareness to actually take the lesson away. I just, I just said, I need to, I have to make a will away for this to happen. Yeah. And I had ignored everything on the way. I just only focused on the outcome. And once it came, I felt like shit because I was expecting it to, to for everything to change. I was expecting the, the girls, the popularity, the success to change something, but I it couldn't because it was I was still me. Yeah. I was still the same exact fucking person. It's this illusion that we all find ourselves in fall fall into. Yeah, but it's just the, the way we we change ourselves. And to hit one one last topic before we wrap up to to capitalize off your knowledge, let's speak to those who are single right now, mm-hmm. to those who are conscious, who can feel that they benefit from love and benefit from a conscious partner. Mm-hmm. What should they be doing? on their day-to-day life to prepare themselves or to find it. It's, brutal. it's, it's, very, brutal. it's hard out there today, man. It, in, a, in a very practical sense, make a list of the person that you want to manifest and then make a list of what you want the relationship to feel like. And then make a list of crazy, weird, detailed things like- Give an uh, example. Yeah. Like their views on money and okay. or how, where y'all would want to go vacation together. Like- odd things that where you're like, that wouldn't be a coincidence, you know? Um, and really get to the root of what it is that you're wanting in a relationship and what you want that experience to be like and color it out. Don't just bullet point shit. Like so many people make a list and they do like one sentence per line, like write a fucking book about it. How detailed can you get about that experience? And can you get your senses involved in it? And really make it light you up and turn you on. And then when you're done with it, this is the hard part is you look at where you're not a match yet for that. So example, they're really good with money and you're not, oh shit. All right. Well, I get to get all my money, you know, or they're, they take care of their body and you could definitely do better at that. Fuck. All right. Let's do better at that. And then you just work on, you see the gap and then you work on becoming a match for that person and that relationship and learn the skills. If you want effective communication, like do the mirror work and go where on this list. Am I, am I a match for that? Or do I, could I work on it and go through each thing in that list and be honest as fuck with yourself about it. Then you have literally a roadmap for your inner work of what you get to do. And can you work on it? And be open to the possibility of them meeting you while you're on the journey to that. And you're not there yet because you're not, it's not about perfection, it's not, but 
that's going to kickstart you in the right momentum and the right frequency to meet that person. And you got to be open to how it happens because I've met people where they'll make this list and then bam, they meet the person and they're both not there yet, but they desire the same thing and they kind of work through it together. And then there's another side of things where you get there in terms of your inner work and you're finally a match for that list and then you meet the person. So um, detach from how it happens, but that at least puts puts the focus on what you can control and which is you and it gives you a, a north star to focus on and then being open to the miracles and of it's love also practicing happening. it's practicing self-love it is yeah did you do that did you do that process i did and it turned out better than my list huh. um, so my list actually didn't go into as much depth and i also met my current partner when I was like not wanting to be in a relationship. So I didn't re up my list. <laughs> and so I looked at, cause ev- after every relationship, I would kind of like, well, I learned that I don't want that. And I actually do want this. And I would go through it, you know? Uh, and I just hadn't done that process in a really long time. And, um, it was a, a lot of things that were on my list and more that wasn't on my list that I actually did want and need that. I just didn't have the awareness of at the time. Is there anything else you did to prepare yourself? For her, remember you mentioned to me a while ago celibacy for a bit of that affect things. Yeah, people. Nah, I mean, I, my celibacy journey, I I was I overworked, so I didn't really work on anything internally. I just avoided uh, for some uh, time, and then maybe that was helpful. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know what happened, but um, everybody's journey is so unique. So maybe you don't need to that. that you know, uh, you know, I have a podcast where I interview couples who've been together. Uh, for decades and they're still passionately in love and the stories it's all over the board man like there's not one formula for meeting your partner uh but the closest thing we can get to a formula is be yourself and follow what love feels like and you're going to run into them and maybe it's your forever person maybe it's a temporary person but be open. Well, in those interviews, what are the universal keys for success? Another question attached to that is what's the, not where they meet, but how do they meet? Is it unexpected? Is it? It's all over the board. That's what I'm saying. Either unexpected planned marriages. I've talked with uh, age gaps. I've talked with friends for a while and then they got together instant. You're my person. Want to get married? Like the, the first time they ever met, like wild shit, man. So there's there's no, not hey, back to that point. There is no rationalizing love. And so there's way. not, <laughs> uh, but across the board, one of the things that's most common is you both individually need to walk the talk of value and growth. Mm. If you don't, the relationship's going to fucking tank. So each individual needs to actually value growth, not just, Oh, it's a good value for number one on my value list. Like you actually will live it. Um, that's really important for it to last. What do you mean by that when it applies to relationship? Like, because you're going to hit your shit and yeah. you're going to get called out on stuff. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And are you going to be able to rise up to the occasion to hold your partner and their triggers to hold space for you? Like it's a growth opportunity. Yeah. That's a, I noticed my last relationship on that point is that when there was an argument that what helped was me coming up with kind of a curriculum or homework for both of us to do like, even if, if I was in the wrong or she was in the wrong, it's being like, let's, we both have some, some growth to do here. We both have two unique points of growth for the week or month that we should be, um, doing and be accountable for each other, how we're actually doing it. Yeah. And that was helpful to me, which uh, validates your point. 
just like mutual growth. Yeah. Now, I think people can fuck up where it's like they're blaming one partner for the most of the shit. Like right. it's on you, Johnny, for all the bullshit. But it's it's you're you're part of the same dance. So it's, yep. it's giving each other that homework. Yep. Yeah. Mutual growth, space, like literally apart from each other. Um, that's one. Having rules, like agreed upon uh, methods of operation for your for the individuals in the, in the relationship. Um, that's been helpful. And uh, honestly, more sex. Um, and then, you know, I, I've had one couple, like they, there's, they had a list. It was like, own your shit. And if you, um, or they said, own your farts. <laughs> like if you farted, admit it. If you fucked up, admit it. Um, honesty, being brutally honest with yourself so you can be brutally honest with the other person. And then, you know, I've also interviewed couples who are open and couples who are monogamous and it's all kind of all over the board with that. And just, you got to be in alignment with that. You know, you don't, don't want you don't need to change that in the middle of the game because then it's, it could be very confusing and messy. So know yourself as much as you can. And, you know, as, as much as I say all this stuff and all the Instagram therapy shit out there is like, love yourself before you get into a relationship. Like I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't fucking love myself before I got into a relationship with my partner. Like if we lit, literally look at it, that season of my life, I was not in the most self-loving Kevin ever. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not like, oh, love yourself or you don't. Like I was just kind of struggling in that department and it happened. Right. And then also if some of the couples that I've interviewed, it's like, maybe that's, that's not uncommon. So yes, always work on self-love, but it's not a prerequisite to relationships. Yeah. That's it. Last point. What role does sex play in in a healthy relationship like why how can we use it as a metric as to when things aren't going well like what is the role what does healthy sex look like in a relationship and how can we know when it's not going well how the sex isn't going well or the relationship well, it's like, how are they tied that's my point how, how are okay, they tied yeah. and why are they tied and how can we use both as, like sex is like a reference point right you, you know sex is um esther perel puts it is that sex is a place to go so in a similar way with a relationship, are you using the relationship to get validation? Are you using sex to just get a feeling and distract yeah. yourself from something? It's all about your intention with it. Um, and life has its seasons, man. I know for, for us, it's like there's seasons where we do it more and then we do it less. And it's like yeah. just life. And so I think that you don't want to overanalyze it, but have a presence there. Because if you don't it. communicate about it, yes, we do a, a relationship drop-in once a week that's changed the fucking game for us. We go over our calendar together. We plan date night. So we all, we know what we're doing. We ask for support if we need it. Um, we talk about sex and what our needs are there, what our desires are there. We talk about anything that we've withheld. So if there's something that we, even if it's a compliment, something that we didn't say, uh, and we're holding on to, or we swept under the rug, that's the opportunity to just let it out and let it rip. And then we acknowledge each other for what we're growing through and like, Hey, I really see you in this. And we have an opportunity to see each other and the relationship that has changed the game doing that as a non-negotiable once a week. Um, and so for that reason, you know, we talk about sex and every part, every relationship is different. So I can't really give anything there, but use that check-in to at least talk about it, get to know your partner in that, in that way. Yeah. That's kind of the good answer. To my, my question is that I've had a relationship where it, we don't want to talk about it. It kind of just happens. You know what yeah. I mean? Like in, one person's kind of like, I want to have sex. Others like, eh. and then you kind of like go back and forth that way. But when it's a talked about thing where you talk about your desires, your wants, how you're feeling that week, if you're actually 
you know, libido's up or if you're not feeling it, I think that's actually answering my question is yeah. just the key to how sex plays in your relationship is just talking about it. Talking about it, yeah. Because yeah. most people you... actually don't, which is crazy. Some people, it's like a yeah. a chore. And it's especially like the, husband, the husband rolls over and the wife says, oh, okay, you know, whatever. <laughs> Talk about it outside of the bedroom. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and you can learn a lot, fellas, guys, <laughs> from just talking about it with her outside and not making it a weird thing. And talking about it is is going to help you be better at it because you're going to know what she wants and, and you'll get to express what you want and your curiosities. And it's just a win-win because sex is one of those things that just is weirdly not talked about or overly talked about. And the same thing with money, right? And if we can kind of just bring those taboos, it's a really weird thing to more uh, of the light in conversation it loses its negative charge. You're able to just, it's just another thing. And, yeah. and you're able to actually live in a harmonious relationship with another in that realm. Yes, sir. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and being vulnerable with your own story. And uh, where can people find you and learn more about your work? Heartguide.com or the heart guy on Instagram and TikTok. Um, YouTube is Kevin Crenshaw. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been doing what I've been doing now for, past seven ish years. And so I'm excited to see where this pivot takes me. So I'm in a weird nice. situation right now. We'll see. Uh, but yeah. And then if this is coming out before July 9th of 2023, July 9th, I'm having an in-person event called unlock love in Austin, Texas. And it's a one day intensive where you're healing and removing blocks around intimacy. So if any of this resonated, uh, I would love to see you there. Amazing. Go, go check it out, guys. Thank you very much again. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well as rate and review. Thank you for listening.